to the Travel Agent Interview. My name is Megan Chapa. I'm the host of the program. I'm privileged again to have my husband, Joe, for part three of this uh, little mini-series we're doing on sailing on the Queen Mary 2. So welcome, honey. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, tonight we're going to talk about something that you're passionate about and I'm passionate about that is a real passion and not just a fun techie minute. This is a charity. We're going to switch it up that we're going to talk about called the Colorado Wounded Vet Run and the larger organization, which can be found at theyfoughtweride.com. And this benefits uh, U.S. service members that are combat wounded. And um, anyway, we started this Colorado division with Joe's uncle, and now it's been handed off to a great group of ladies who are taking it forward. And uh, we just want to tell you a little bit about that. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, so the the whole organization started in Boston some years ago, about seven years ago, um, called the Boston Wounded Vet Run, and uh, and what this is is a, is a way for people who maybe don't have a, a strong connection with the military, maybe you don't have a family member in the military, but you want to show your um, your support for those who have served, and specifically for those who have been uh, wounded while serving. Uh, and so every year, um, each location, there are 14 locations nationwide, each location will choose either a single honoree or maybe a handful of honorees uh, from the local area. So what's great about this is that you get to look someone in the eye, shake their hand, thank them for their service, and they're one of your neighbors. And so in Colorado, we like to say that it's, it's local people helping local heroes. Uh, and so there's a, a big motorcycle ride. That's kind of the, um, the main event in a lot of the different locations. Um, and so it costs $10 to ride or... Uh, Twenty dollars to ride, ten dollars for a passenger. That's right. Sorry, twenty and ten, um, and that might vary from place to place. But the point is that no one on any of the leadership teams gets paid a dime. It's all run entirely by volunteers. So you know that every dollar you pay, either to ride or maybe to buy merchandise or donations or silent auction or whatever your location happens to do, every single dollar that we raise goes right to the uh, to the recipient and their families. And so uh, we try to get to know them and figure out what their particular needs are, and then we raise money um, to meet those specific needs. And it's a really exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, and what I want to say that's unique about these organizations is that they are not uh, an organization where you send your money out into outer space, like the the Internet world, and you don't know where it goes. You pay your $20, and then you go and you thank the man in person or woman that served and, you know, has had an injury or something along those lines uh, on behalf of our nation. And you can really you know, shake their hand, get to know them, and um, be able to show them that they are not isolated, that they are part of this community, and that you are there to support them if they want it. And um, so far, this is the third year for Colorado. The first year we had uh, Matthew Martinez as our recipient. He's a double amputee. We were able to pay for his travel and hotel expenses to San Diego, which is where his surgeon is that specializes in his particular uh, type of injury. Uh, he had some bone regrowth, and the thing that we paid for being the hotel and the transportation costs and food while they're out there are things that the VA does not cover, so they'll cover all of his prosthetics and the surgery, but he'll be out there for three weeks at a time without being able to, you know, with without the support of, you know, that's all out-of-pocket expenses, so we wanted to make sure that he was able to do that, and with our first year, that's what we were able to provide, and it worked out wonderful for them. We paid for one of their trips out there. Uh, last year, we were able to raise uh, kind of, I think, a staggering amount of money for the second year, and this is largely due to our new president, Michelle Tomes. We raised $14,000, which uh, hap- which happened to cover 
the balance of an IVF for um, the Wilson family because of his injuries. They were unable to have a baby. They had to do this uh, therapy, this treatment. And now they have a beautiful baby boy, and they were able to start the baby boy's life debt-free because of your generous donations. Every state supports local people from their state. So Colorado is going to adopt Colorado. Boston's going to adopt the, well, they actually adopt kind of a five-state region because some of those states are a little more sparsely populated. They fought WeRide.com is the parent kind of overarching webpage where you can see all of the rides across the nation. And then ours specifically is cwvr.org. And it's coming up in September. Anything else on that, babe? Uh, no, I mean, we don't, uh, we're not officially part of the organization anymore, but it's still near and dear to our hearts, and they're doing amazing things. Um, and so we encourage you to find uh Find an event near you, um, and uh, in the absence of one near you, then maybe try to support the Colorado one. Yep, and um, you will see a motorcycle on the logo. You do not have to be a motorcycle rider or passenger to attend. There's lots of volunteer opportunities, and even just the formal military ceremonies at the end are worth attending. So, And there's other events during the year that you should check out on their calendar too. So that's where we're going to leave that. And next, we're going to have a little shout out to some friends of ours that have been tuning in and even re-listening to episodes because they thought they were so fun. So Hillary and Brianna, thank you so much. We miss you guys, and we appreciate your feedback. Tonight, we're going to talk about dining options on the Queen Mary 2. There's actually quite a few dining options, but there's two main dining options that we'll talk about first. One is the King's Court, and one is the Britannia Restaurant. We touched on the King's Court a little bit on Departure, uh, where you can watch the Statue of Liberty at the starboard side. Joe, tell us about the King's Court. Uh, King's Court was a good experience. We mentioned last time with respect to the, the dress code that it's, um, it's one of the places specifically mentioned that you can go in casual attire, regardless of what the dress code is, um, for the other dining options. So it's a buffet style, but it, it's not your typical buffet. We were really impressed with the, with the dining options. Uh, every time we went there, as we mentioned, we'd go there with our kids for an early earlier dinner for them, then we'd go to the Britannia for our dinner. And every every day that we went, there was a different menu, and so you weren't kind of stuck eating the same food every night. Um, there was something new and different and exciting, and each time I would say there were probably 10 different um, dishes. That is not just the, the main course, but an entire meal, 10 different meals that you could make from what was available each night, and each night they were different. So tons of options, everything from... Uh, Fresh seafood. There was steak almost every night of some kind. There was um, carving sort of, stations. Yeah, you could you could get your uh, ribeye kind of cut to order or prime rib cut to order. They had uh, some very British um, meals, you know, bangers and mash and yeah. uh, fish and chips and things that you would expect like that. And then they had some sort of very American things like cheeseburgers and French fries and um, and uh, and those are sort of on the more casual side. There, there were uh, as I mentioned some good steaks. There were um, sometimes they'd give you kind of a skirt steak. And then you could pick the sauce, and so you could almost uh, build different meals that way. Uh, and then the desserts were really fantastic. Usually they were individual, so you're not kind of scooping, putting out of a big, a big tub. You're getting, um, you know, something like a, a tea cake made specifically for an individual serving. And yeah. then they were fantastic. And they were, they were and well done and, and uh, good to look at. They, it was just really a great experience. And if you're a curry person, which this is a very British type thing, they featured a different curry each night. And they would have late night meals there, like something like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. They'd have late night snacks there uh, with chefs just ready to cook things up. 
for all the people that have just come out of dining and dancing and all those sort of things. And there was always a different curry, which I like to try. So that was that was good for me to get to poke around there. I will say we, we had a good experience with other passengers and we have almost nothing but good things to say. But the King's Court Buffet was the one place where I kind of saw, I don't want to pick on the Americans, but Gross I saw it more people. from Americans. Not just that, but I, you know, there was there were times where I went there and Megan was off doing something else, and I've got two little kids in tow, and I'm very obviously trying to balance plates for my two children, and people would kind of cut me in line uh, to serve themselves, and so I'd like to say a couple things about that. First of all, shame on you, uh, but second, <laughs> just know that that you know it's a buffet, and there's no, um, it's it's not the same experience that you're going to get in the main restaurants. And there so are just more fries in the fryer. You don't have to take all of the curly fries when the five-year-old is waiting patiently and you're cutting her off. Yes. I think have I summed it up manners. nicely. Shame on you. Shame on you. But the point is, it's a different dining experience. You should just know that before you go down there. Of the food and the staff, I will say they were excellent. Yeah. And that's also where you can, there's always going to be water and coffee available there. And it is very good coffee. And there's always a variety of teas that are all individually packaged and specially blended for Cunard. So uh, that's a really nice thing to get to try if you're into that sort of thing. Um, something worth mentioning along those lines, I think this is especially an American thing to drink coffee throughout the day. Um, there are a number of coffee stations in the King's Court that are opened all, all throughout the day, but also stashed around the ship elsewhere. And so uh, we kind of learned where those were. And so even if it's, you know, between breakfast and lunch, 10 a.m. and I want another coffee, there were opportunities to go do that. Also, you can call any time to room service and have them just bring it right to your room. So and that never took long, like at the most, maybe a half hour doing a very uh, high kind of traffic time. But other than that, coffee, tea, always available. And there's tea service in your room, which they'll stock every day with a tea kettle. So there's that. Um, let's talk about the Britannia restaurant, which is kind of the main dining area. And this is where, you know, there's going to be a dress code enforced, but this is where uh, you always have a table reserved for lunch, a table reserved for dinner. And um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that option. You're going to, ha- you, when you call and you make your reservation, they're going to ask you, do you want a table for two, four or more? And do you mind sitting with other people? And we made the the table for four because we anticipated having our children with us. As it turned out, that was not going to be a pleasurable experience for the other diners. So we did not do that. So we ended up having two empty seats at our table most nights. But then we made friends with our neighbors. And instead of letting those two seats be between us, we ended up sitting next to them and befriending them. And they were wonderful. So I don't know if they'll ever hear this, but shout out to Keith and Carol and Mark. Thank you guys for being so wonderful to us and educating us on many things that are important to our new life here. I want to talk about our wait staff and the maitre d' and the sommelier. They were fantastic. And if you don't know what you want to order, I would ask them for a recommendation because they've they've been this is kind of the more experienced wait staff. I think that they've, you know, this isn't their first cruise ship. In fact, our waiter, he's been on a number of other cruise ships. He's actually an attorney in Serbia, but he's just working on this cruise ship because it pays better, and he's fantastic. Uh, and if you ask him for a recommendation, he'll tell you what the most popular thing is or based on your past choices, what he thinks you would like the next day. And it was, and if you don't know what you want, they'll bring you, you know, one for each of you, and they say, well, just put one in the middle, and they bring you an additional meal, and you get to try everything. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about Britannia? 
yeah, so for dinner, I think this is pretty common across multiple cruise lines, but for dinner, you have a reserve table. It's the same one every time. Um, that's not the case for lunch. So lunch, they'll kind of seat you as it's available. Uh, and that's because most people will, t- will use their dinner reservation at Britannia almost every night, maybe a few excursions to some of the other options. Whereas for lunch, there are so many different options. Uh, I, I mean, when we had lunch in there, it looked like maybe it was at 20% capacity rather than dinner time, which was nearly 100 every night. Yeah. So, and, and the other options are also worth checking out. So let's talk about those. So there's a chef's galley. It's actually part of King's Court. It's, I think it's towards the after the ship. And in there, you're going to always have, for lunchtime, they have fresh sandwiches. They always have like French, like bowls of French fries just that you can grab and go with. They also have some salad type options and paninis. And uh, like for if you're a vegetarian, they have some really nice vegetarian paninis that they have to grab and go. And then in the evenings, it's going to be um, like made to order pasta and you can pick your sauce they had a very good bolognese sauce that our kids just ate tons of and them still trying to get out of their clothing Um, but then they also have uh, pizzas there made to order pizzas and things like that so that's the king's court and then uh, this is also where they have the children's tea 4 30 to 6 p.m and that's where they're going to serve very kid-friendly meals which is mostly what you would expect on an american menu that being, um, you know, either penne or spaghetti with, uh, you know, butter or red sauce or the bolognese sauce. And then they had chicken uh, chicken nuggets, but it's, it's legit. It's not like, you know, our processed Tyson chicken nuggets or McDonald's nuggets. This is cubed, breaded, and baked chicken nuggets. They were wonderful. So you can get that option. They have French fries. Uh, what else was on that menu? I don't pizza. remember. We there was many pizzas. Pasta and chicken nuggets. The only complaint I would I would have about this was that there weren't fresh fruit and vegetable options for the kids at that time, and I think it's just because they're setting up the other dining areas for the next meal, and they're you know it's what's already is in on hand in that restaurant. But when we asked them for fresh fruit and vegetable options, they would bring us back ridiculous amounts of fruit. So if you say melon, you're like you're getting a whole plate of melon. And just another another uh, tip of the hat to the staff. At one point, I stood up to go back to the King's Court to try to grab some fruit. And this is before dinner was really being offered there. And so it, it wasn't a guarantee that I was going to find anything. And a member of the chef's galley wait staff said, Sir, what, are, what do you need? What can I get for you? And I said, Oh, I was just going to go try to grab some fruit, a banana or something for my kids. And that's when he came back with this plate full of, I mean, full of carved watermelon, carved melon, just more fruit than my kids could ever possibly eat. And as soon as he brought that, I stood up again because there was a drink station around the corner and I was going to get, you know, apple juice or whatever for the kids. And he stopped me again and said, what can I get for you? And I said, oh, I was just going to go get some juice. And he said, no, sit down, I'll get it. Uh, So they they really took good care of us, even though it was the kids, the children's tea, it it was, you know, a a low, low threat thing. and, And we were just trying to get through the meal. They still tried to make it special for us, and I appreciated that. Yeah, it was nice, and we, you know, I, I feel bad wasting food, so I would have extra melon. I'd take it back to the room, and then the kids would just snack on that later. And there is a mini fridge in your room where you can store that stuff if you need to. Uh, next, I want to talk about the veranda, which is their specialty restaurant. There's a famous chef that that's his restaurant, and it's a, it's like a take on French cuisine. Uh, this is an additional charge during lunchtime. It is $20, and at dinner it's $49.95, which uh, for the multiple-course meal, it's really, I think, pretty reasonable on this ship. Everything is just done to such high standards, and it's a beautiful restaurant that's on the back of the ship. It looks out into the ocean. 
Uh, but we did not get an opportunity to eat there because our children were just so unpredictable and their schedules were really off. So next time it's on the bucket list, but we just couldn't make it happen this time. But And just another quick note about higher end uh, fine dining. So the Britannia is the main restaurant for almost everyone on the ship. There are rooms that they call the Queen's uh, Grill and Princess Grill. And if you, those are suites on the ship. And if you look at the map, they're they're scattered throughout. Uh, but if you look at the map of the room, some of these suites are are just massive. I mean, yeah, they take palatial. a full quarter yeah, of the end of the ship. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. And so if you are booked in a Princess Grill um, suite, then you have access to the Princess Grill or, uh, restaurant. Yep. And then the same for the Queen's Grill. If you're in a Queen's Grill room, you have access to the Queen's Grill restaurant. So those are uh, sort of restaurants that aren't available to everyone they're only available to a few and we didn't go there and so we can't tell you much about it but um, if our experience is what the average person experienced then uh, i imagine those restaurants are pretty fantastic yeah pretty nice they have separate menus separate wait staff etc and um, anyway we hope to experience that someday Um, moving on there are a number of bars and lounges that will most of them just serve drinks some like a lot of them will serve Snacks, like they'll always have crisps, which we know as chips, and they also have uh, kind of butlered hors d'oeuvres at some of them, etc., but they don't serve necessarily full meals, uh, and they are scattered throughout the ship. One that we really enjoyed that we kind of discovered by chance was the Commodore Club. Joe, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, it was kind of just an upscale lounge. It was a nice place. They had live piano music. In fact, that's how we stumbled upon it. We were looking at the the list of available activities and there was live piano music so we wanted to go check it out uh, but it takes up it's at the bow of the ship I, and I think something like the 10th deck mm-hmm. and it takes up the entire um, the entire front so uh, you know port to starboard and so there's a really nice view it's all windows in the front so really nice view of, of the crashing waves out in front of the boat um, so that's what drew us there but once we got there they, they had uh, a separate cocktail menu that was different from the ones we had seen in the other in the other um, restaurants and, and bars and uh, and they did bring around snacks that we didn't ask for and uh, we were just trying to take up some time between dressing for dinner at six as we talked about last time and eating at 8 30 and that was a really nice place to just sort of sit for an hour and have a drink and uh, and the and sun was the setting and the menu the interesting thing about the cocktail menu is that each of them are named each drink is named after a former captain of the ship and their stories are so unique. And my husband just loves, he's kind of romanticizing the sea a little bit these days because most of their stories included, and at 15, and at 14, he lied about his age and, you know, en- enlisted in the Navy and ran away on a merchant marine ship. Just And then, and then you know, through however it happened, he ended up being captain of the Queen Mary too, or the Queen Mary. So there's all these really interesting stories about these captains and how they got their drinks named after them. So that's really interesting just to go read through that uh, drink menu if you have a chance. Yeah. And the, the moral to all those stories at the end is, and so if you want to pay $20 to drink a drink named after him, then you can. Um, so I didn't have any of those, but they did have a, a real nice, um, single malt menu. And that actually was the same menu that we saw in some of the other bars, but I didn't think that those prices were outrageous. That was actually pretty decent. Yeah. I do think the drink prices were pretty reasonable, all things considered. Um, one other pub we should talk about specifically is the Golden Lion Pub, which serves what they would consider. And I think that we would say is the best we've had thus far, British or United Kingdom fish and chips. Joe, this was your favorite. Why don't you talk about it? Well, I mean, I just like fish and chips in general. We heard that that was the place to go. Um, But what they did, I thought, 
really well is sometimes even when you get really good fish and chips, it's a fillet and it's very wide, you know, maybe even a cod, but it's it's not a very it's not a very it didn't come from a very big fish and so what you get is maybe a half inch fillet that's then been heavily breaded and fly, fried. And what we had here was um, they had obviously cut the fillet into smaller pieces that is widthwise. So you almost get this square of fillet, but it it had to have been an inch an inch thick of a, a cod fillet before they fried it. And so um, I don't want to get all too nerdy about this fish, but the ratio of fish to breading was perfect. It was <laughs> ideal. It was really good, uh, really juicy fish. I I just really enjoyed it. I I had it twice there actually. Yeah, and it was just a huge piece to the point where I know that Joe wants to eat his whole piece of fish. And I needed to manage his expectations, which if you're not married and you get married, this is a big deal when feeding your husband. So I decided that we should order a separate one for our daughter. But again, not wanting to waste food, I said, do they have a small portion or a half portion? And the waitress just looked at me like I was crazy asking to order less food. So she said, let me ask them to look for the smallest filet, and they'll put that in for her. So they did, and it was still a ton of food, but... She enjoyed it and actually ate a ton of it. They also have a chicken tikka masala there, which I really do like that style of food. So I ordered it twice, and it's served with naan, and they're kind of like these little flat. It's not like I would picture naan, but they're small pieces, and that's exactly the thing that I wanted, so that's why the baby grabbed it and stuffed that into his gullet. So I asked if I could just have a separate order of naan, and she said, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'll order because it's not right here. It has to go through the kitchen. And, I mean, she ordered it, and it was there within five minutes. And that's what it took to satisfy him that day because he's a cranky man sometimes, and he loved it. They were happy to get him what he needed even in a pub that's, you know, very clearly catering to, you know, couples and older people who want to have, you know, kind of a cool pub feel, get their fish and chips, and listen to the dueling pianos during lunch. And that's also where we saw... The guy who is in charge of the musicians play piano. We just thought he was just a guest that just popped open the grand piano and started jamming. But he sat up there and he looked in the eyes. He's like, I'm taking requests. And he just started playing Billy Joel and everything else, Elton John. And no music, just knew it all and was playing along. And it was wonderful. All right, I want to talk also about the afternoon tea. This happens every day. This is a great time to relax, watch the ocean if you want to sit by the really nice windows or just if you want to sit closer to the ballroom floor that you could listen to. We were there, I was there three times, and they had both the harpist, they had a string quartet, string instruments, that's what they would have there during tea. And I would say that if you have a preference for seating, you should get there early because, again, this is kind of a place where you see people acting badly when there's nice food served, where they they will trample someone with a walker in order to get the seat that they want at tea. If you go to tea, they come out with trays with lovely sandwiches and amazing looking desserts. You could try one or all of them. If you are not a pate lover, you should probably look a little closely before you take those food items. But uh, it's just a really nice experience. So that's so that happens every day at 3.30. And it's in the Queen's Lounge, which is in the after the ship, which is also where the balls will be held. The last thing I want to talk about is their ability to customize your dining options. If you're someone with a food restriction or if you have just a preference that, you know, you just hate tomatoes or something along those lines, I kind of limit myself on the amount of gluten that I eat and I do the same thing for the kids 
And I don't even remember mentioning this to them, but on our very first night in the Britannia restaurant, our waiter um, said, this is what I have for you available on the first night. Here's your menu that you can pick off of for gluten-free. And so he gave that to me and Joe ordered. It came exact same time. It was hot, wonderful, gluten-free. And then every night after that, um, it was kind of our... He was, he was the head waiter for our section. The head waiter for our section. His name is Suri. He's wonderful. And he would bring me a menu that was already kind of coordinated for people who were eating gluten-free for the next day and talk to me about the options and, you know, give me pointers and explain some of the things I didn't know on the menu or make recommendations the night before for my next day's, you know, dining. And it was seamless. It was wonderful. All the food was fantastic. I talked to and I talked to another gal who was eating vegan on the ship and she decided to do this diet like two days before she got on the ship and she was really having a hard time sticking to it because she was salivating over all the other options. So note to future cruisers, don't start your diet two days before your journey because it, it, it might not, you might be disappointed with the outcome. But she said that she was vegan. She talked to another girl that was vegan. I met a family who dines kosher and there appeared to be some other ethnicities there that might dine and other preferences, but they have it all uh, squared away um, in the galleys where they can cook for each of those preferences and have it isolated so that it really is true to that dining style and eating style. And uh, with that said, let's talk about the galley tour. Joe, do you want to talk about that? Sure. It was just, it was on the list of events. It was something that we could do. Uh, by the time we got our kids dropped off at the kids' zone, we were running a little late, um, but we got there sort of just as the tail end of the group made it into the, the galley for the Britannia restaurant, which is the busiest food service place on the ship. Uh, and it was a fantastic tour. They had a number of the, of the chef staff out to answer questions. <clears throat> and uh, the first gentleman we spoke to was one of the chefs. And I don't remember verbally expressing interest in how the cooking was done. We were at a place where they just do food preparation, but not any of the cooking. And he and he started to describe some of the um, the boilers that they use and a number of the pieces of equipment. He said, you want to see it? Let's go back and see it. And so he brought just three of us who happened to be standing their back so we could see where they're actually cooking the food. And uh, and it was great. It, it felt like a personalized tour, even though we were you know in a group of about 100 people. Uh, but the overwhelming sense that one gets in this kitchen is uh, the sheer quantity of food that they're preparing. Uh, and so they have these racks of plates where they're they're sort of pre-staging the dessert or whatever the case might be. And they look so meticulously put together and they look beautiful. And they're making hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of these plates. And, and it really was just impressive to get that level of quality on top of that quantity. Yeah, and I think with staff, there's a total of 3,500 people on the ship and, you know, we were at capacity, and that includes 220 children, 3,500 people approximately, and they're putting out 15,000 meals a day. I mean, that makes me feel gross as a passenger for consuming that much food. Uh, but they have a galley for everything. They have a galley for this is just vegetables. This is just fruit. This is just bananas and onions because they're so potent. This is the vegetarian area. This is the meat area. This is the, you know, gluten-free area. So they have something like 20 galleys or something in order to accommodate all of this. Um, but yeah, they, if you wanted to know about it, they'll, they'll take you aside and tell you all about it. It was wonderful. And, you know, when you order room service and you see 
the limited amount of space they're working in and kind of the magic that they're creating with this small limited space and the amount of food they're putting out and that it comes to your room quickly and hot, you have a new appreciation and patience for them delivering it to you. So um, anyway, if you have the opportunity to take one of those tours, it's, it would be really valuable to do that. Um, I think that might be everything that I have as far as, as far as our food uh, episode goes. We do have a lot of pictures of that galley tour, which we can put out. And Joe, is there anything else you want to add in? We might have told the story before when we were talking about the staff, but it bears repeating. Uh, toward the end of the trip, I got a little gluttonous. Um, the second to the last evening, Sari brought the menu for the following day, day and Megan chose the steak Diane. <clears throat> and I said, well, I was going to get the steak Diane, but if Megan's getting that, I'll get something else, and that way we can kind of share. I'll get the chicken. And, and Sari said, no, 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 you want the steak, you get the steak. You both get the steak, and I'll bring the chicken. I'll put it in the middle. You can both eat from the chicken as well. And so we had three meals between the two of us the following day. And then uh, that was also the night that Megan got the tiramisu, which is always at the top of her list. And I ordered something else to be different, and it was good, but it wasn't tiramisu. And so when our waiter came back, I said, look, I think I've made a mistake. I, I ate the entire dessert, don't get me wrong, but I wish I had gotten a tiramisu. And I hadn't even gotten the words out of my mouth before he ran off to the kitchen to get me a tiramisu all to myself. Uh, so it just, it just felt wonderful, first of all, to eat whatever we wanted and not have to worry about paying for it, which was really a nice thing, but also just to be taken care of on that individual level level. It was great. Yeah, the staff is wonderful. I, we've said it and we'll say it again, that they're wonderful. They make you feel like there's one staff member per guest. They know what you want before you want it. And if you find that you're having such a fantastic experience, they do have, I think it's called the White Star Card. It's at the purser's desk where you can um, fill out a personalized you know, thank you and kind of recommendation that the management will see, which can you know, help these employees progress into their next, you know, whatever job they want to do. Um, and this is different than the general survey you're going to get in your cabin. This is an above and beyond kind of uh, award that they can receive. So just to let you know, if you have good service, you can get that from the purser's desk. Thank you very much for listening. This is Megan Chappell with the Travel Agent Interview saying good night. <laughs>